Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. you got your Bibles tonight, turn them to the book of Judges. Hopefully you do have them. If you have your phone, you can use your phone. Um, <clears throat> I want to really briefly kind of review back. I, a couple of weeks ago, I, I started, uh, <clears throat> it was going to turn into be a two-week a two uh, series on, on this subject, and I called it Availability. And could really simplify it down and just be, are you available? Um, because we have, we have so many, there's so many people I feel that feel disqualified because of their past. They feel disqualified because maybe they can't do this or that, or maybe they're not some, some type of high profile, whatever, in the community. And I, I really want to confront that right now and just let you know that look back over scripture and, and see some of these in scripture of who God chose to use. Um, these were those that just said yes. They were available. Uh, look back over Moses, and I think about what Moses said. And when the Lord says, I want you to, I'm sending you to the people of God. And Moses responded, and he said, who am I? Uh, I can't even talk plainly. And God said, well, who created your mouth? And God is not looking for so much as it is the ability, although there's an aspect to that. He's looking for available people. And so I guess it's, it's one of those things where I mentioned it a, few, a couple of weeks ago as well. I was talking about with our calendars. We, can, we talk with somebody and somebody says, hey, you know, what's this looking like for this, such and such date for you? Are you available on this date? And if there's somebody that's important, you're going to clear out your calendar and you're going to put reminders up and you're going to make sure that you don't miss this date. Well, I think about with Gideon, and if you read Gideon, and I would encourage you, at some point, read uh, chapter 6 and 7 of Judges and look at the life of Gideon. It actually goes a little bit further, but especially reading those and what you'll find is he was the least in the tribe. His father's house was the least in the tribe of Manasseh, and his father's house was at, or Manasseh was a small, was a small tribe, but also his father's house was the, the least in that tribe. And so Gideon was one of those that began to give an excuse when God showed up and said, hey, we want to use you. He shows up and he's threshing wheat in a wine press. He was hiding it because the Midianites, the Bible says that they were innumerable and their camels and them were like innumerable as the sand. So that means there were a lot of them, right? And so they would come and raid the, the children of Israel simply because they had allowed sin into the nation. For 40 years it was great until 
they began to build their idols again, and all of this stuff started happening. And that was the I talked about it that last time. It was like a it was a cyclical sin season with those with the Israelites, and they would find themselves in it from one doing well for a stint, and then all of a sudden they would start embracing the idols of surrounding nations, and then God would send an impre- uh, an oppressor in. He would start oppressing them until they would cry out to God that He would send them a deliverer, and they would do the same thing over and over and over again. Well, this is where they're at. And so, in part one, I basically just talked about whenever the Lord himself, it says the angel of the Lord, but is referring to Jesus in Old Testament, shows up to him and says, he calls him a mighty man of valor. Well, it's interesting that he's hiding in a place of, that should be, he is scared, he's hiding his grain, uh, and he confronts him there and he calls out what he's supposed to become. He could see what he was becoming because ain't that just like Jesus? We want to give Jesus a list of ten reasons why we can't, and Jesus says, I'm sorry, and that's what prophecy is. Prophecy is calling out the gold in somebody because dirt's easy to find. Anybody can find dirt on me tonight in this, in this room. I'm sure you can. But the, the, the deal is, in the kingdom of God, whenever we've been given the gift of prophecy and we're supposed to be doing it now, it's looking at someone through the lens of God and saying, I love you this much and this is what's inside of you. And beginning to pull that to the surface. So that's what Jesus saw in Gideon or the angel of the Lord saw in Gideon. But what Jesus sees in you. So... It's really what I begin to hit that first week. But tonight, as we get into a little bit further, listen, I'm going to preach this just right line upon line. So there's not going to be a bunch of points. I'm going to open my heart and talk to you from what I feel like God is, is speaking to us specifically. And even going into this next year, because I, I, I told you the last encounter service, you better learn to become comfortable with uncomfortability. In the seasons where God wants to take us, this next year, and it's not that the year changes anything because I, I really think, for me, it's like it starts fresh and anew uh, as the Jewish New Year starts in my personal life. I just got to say that. It's almost like there's a thin veil in the month of September all the way on uh, from just hearing the voice of God. And I think it really, this has to do a lot with the Jewish New Year. But, but anyway, <clears throat> in Judges chapter 6, uh, verse 25, I'm going to start there. I stopped off at 24. Uh, 25 says this, now on the same night, now at, now understand, the angel of the Lord has showed up, spoken to Gideon, and he's told him what to do, all of this good stuff, and that goes on in, in verse 24, uh, or excuse me, 25, now on the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull, keep going, AJ, take, <laughs> take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top, on top of the stronghold in an orderly way. And take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the, with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. Then Gideon took ten men from his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it, by day, he did it by night. Now, God is so awesome. Even in the midst of, he doesn't accommodate our fear, but he accounts for it because he understands. And so, isn't it interesting, simply because he was scared to do it uh, by day, that God set it up where it would happen at night anyway? Anyway, that's just something, when I read scripture, I'm like, oh, thank you, God. I, it's not to say, because there's moments I'm scared to leap, but as I leap, God's already accounted for the concerns that I have before I hit the ground. Anyway, I got to keep moving. So understand, when I read just this small section, this is his first task as a judge. Now, 
He didn't get the, I, t- I spoke la- the last time I, sp- I preached on this. He did not get the details until he began to take a step. Many of us, as I said, we want full disclosure from God whenever he tells us something to do. But that's not how you get it. You don't get the details at the very front end. A lot of times you get a step or a, you, you get the first step that you're supposed to take. And as you take that first step, all of a sudden stuff begins to happen. The, the, maybe it's the doors begin to open. The contacts begin to happen. This, whatever it is, but the details unfold as you become un- obedient. Obedient. Obedience is so key to where God wants to take you. It's just simply saying, God, I'm available. Say it. Say, God, I'm available. I'm available. Doesn't ask, God didn't ask you for how great you were. He didn't want you to give him a, a resume of all of your things that you've done in your past. He doesn't care about my resume. My resume better have him all over it because if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for God, he wants me fully dependent and I'm not independent. And we're, we're, raising, we're raising a culture. Well, I can take care of myself all by myself. Listen, I understand what you're saying, but God called us to be dependent. So independence can be a form of pride if we're not careful and monitor and put that in its right place because it needs to be checked. Come on, tell somebody to say, you need to check your independence at the door. I depend upon God. He is my provider. He's the one that provides for me. You're in the the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to take a moment here. The the kingdom of heaven is completely different than the kingdom of America. All right? We have a king. That's what we don't understand. We have a sovereign. We we don't understand that. People, not even in, in England, understand this anymore because the king and the queen no longer have that authority that they once did at one time. But we have a king. And what he says goes when he speaks his word is law. In medieval times, if you didn't obey what the king said, you lost your head. There was no, but yeah, but, but, yeah, but. No, it didn't matter. You lost your head. Because what he said was law. Same with King Jesus. Whatever he says is law. So it doesn't matter if I, if I disagree with thou shalt not lie. It doesn't matter what he says is law. So when God calls and puts his hand on us and says, hey, I'm calling. I want you and I simply say yes and become available, guess what? I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. So whatever he says goes. He becomes Lord. I don't know who that was for, but I want to reiterate that to you. He's king. Yes, he's my best friend, but as Bill Johnson says, I can only know the friendship of God to the depth of the lordship I've allowed myself to understand. You better understand him as Lord. He owns all of you. So his first task as judge is going into his own father's house. Listen to this. Going, on, going into his own father's house. It took two bulls and ten men to tear down the altars. So it was obvious, obviously a major presence on his father's property. Verse 25, and go back to it for just a moment. God will speak with you about generational Curses such as adultery and idolatry. And I'm not just simply talking about in the physical. Because in the New Testament, Jesus talks to him. He said, he talked, he said oh, you, you, you're, you generation, you adulterous generation, you perverse generation. Well, they're the Pharisees. They're not adulterous, well, that we know of. But they were, they were closely trying to observe and follow the laws, right? No, he was, he was speaking uh, spiritually. You have allowed yourself to be sold, prostituted out, if you will, to other lovers. And here what we see in this setting is it takes two bulls and ten men to tear down these altars. And as God begins to deal 
with, with um, he had to get Gideon to a place to where he could use him. So th- this is what we're dealing with. He's been speaking with him here earlier in chapter 6. But look, it takes a, little, a step further. And he begins to, he, he goes, all right, Gideon, we got to start at, at ground zero, your home. Let's go into the home. Let's remove what's on your property right now. We got to deal with this. And let me say this. You got to get rid of it, but let me say this for just a moment. The nation was doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Then God shrinks not just what was happening in a nation, but he brings it to the home front. And God begins to require rapid obedience from Gideon. You need to deal with this. You need to deal with the idolatry. You need to deal with the adultery that's happening spiritually in your own home. And so Gideon follows suit immediately because we understand that God requires rapid obedience because if we don't, what is the opposite of rapid obedience? It's delayed obedience, and we understand that's still disobedience. So God does it in one night. He says, now, on the same night, now on the very same night, he says, we're not looking to move forward. This right here is how we move forward. Let's, let's, rid, your, let's rid the property of it. Let me say this really quick, too, for us parents, because... We're seeing a lot of, of a lot of young people come into the house at churches nowadays, and parents aren't with them. And uh, for whatever reason, I mean, we've seen it in our youth even recently. It's been incredible how God is touching them. But you understand there was a statistic back in the early in the 2011, 2012, that if a child gets saved, it's a 17% chance that the rest of the house gets saved. If the mother gets saved, it was about a 70-something percent chance that the rest of the house would get saved. But if the father gets saved, a 97% chance that the rest of the house gets saved. So even I look at to myself, even as a parent, parent, there's a thing for us that we have to guard. And we have to understand we are the covering of our homes. And so God comes to Gideon because his father Joash was practicing this stuff. And he has to go to the son. And he says, I want you to deal with it. There are generational curses. This is a message for a different time. But he didn't, God didn't play with it. He said, we got to start with you first. We got to clean this stuff up around you. There's a principle at work here in verse 25. Don't expect God to do something outside of your home if you're not willing to get things right inside of your home. And that starts with you internally. What's happening here? Do I have any idols erected on the inside of my heart? Am I the idol of my own? Am I only thinking of myself, selfishness, right? There's just different things. Because before God works outside of a person, he works inside a person so their foundation is him and him alone. Verse 29 goes on to say, and the people started saying after he tore it down, he, 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 was, he was saying, they were saying, who did this? We want to know who did this because he stirred a hornet's nest in the nation. Remember, pretty much predominantly the nation itself is an idol worship. We don't do things simply because we know it's going to stir, some, stir up somebody, first off and foremost. Gideon had a word. He didn't just do this to make somebody mad, right? We got a lot of people that like to get on and play spiritual whatever on social media or saying this one to that one because they think they know better. Listen, if you think you are the smartest person in the room, what do we always say? You're in the wrong room. Because there's somebody that's always a click above you. doesn't matter where you're at. You are supposed to become a learn-it-all, not a know-it-all. 
And so we don't do things simply to stir people. I just want to stir up the religious. I just want to stir up the, the uh, I want to stir up those that are super spiritual, if you want to call and use that. No, 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 that's not what we're called to do. I want to, if I'm called to do that, then it'll happen most naturally, and I'm going to do it with the right heart, right? I'm not going to do it simply because I saw somebody else doing it. I know of people who are doing something just to stir the pot, but God ain't in it. So you're, you're breeding a spirit of offense, but there's nothing happening. All you're doing is, is, is getting misery on board with you because you're miserable in yourself, right? You've seen those people? That's called thirst traps on social media. Avoid those. Just saying. That could be on any topic and subject, by the way. Verse 30, it says, Then the men of the city wanted Joash to bring his own son, Gideon, out so that they could kill him. They're fixing to kill him. Now, what father is going to send his own son out? Even though he's in idol worship, they're so bent, the nation itself. Now, let me take this a step further for parents. In warfare, parents, if we're not equipped as the head or the covering of our homes, we'll give up the next generation. Simple. If you're not equipped, if you can't see it, you'll give it up. You'll allow the enemy to come in in the form of a cute TV show. You'll allow the enemy to come in in some form of a book that, well, it's not that, it's not that bad. Or in a song or something like that. Or maybe it's in a relationship or a friendship. You'll open that door, but you are the gates to your homes. You are the watchman on your own walls, parents. And that's why it's important that your eyes and your ears and your spirit is open to what the Lord is speaking to you and giving you discernment for. I recently, a pastor friend sent me something, and many of you have probably seen it. I, I uh, was on social media for a minute and then bounced right back off. But um, he sent me something, and it's in, happening in Cordova, and I'm sure it happens all over. But there's an after-school Satan club that is coming to Chimney Rock Elementary, and there's details to it. But it's coming in and trying to fly under the radar. Oh, it's harmless. It's not anything that's supposed to be. And, and I, I know that as believers, we're like, I don't know. No, this is where we have to make sure that you pray hedges of protection around your, around your, not just your family. That's great. Do that. But around your community. That's why we're praying in the 50-mile radius that we would have a heavy influence. And guess what? They're, they're, they're coming. We had somebody here Sunday on their second time that's been with us that are driving from Tishomingo County. And we've been praying for northern Mississippi, northern Alabama, and all around us. So they're coming in. And so we want, that, we want those that are supposed to be here to come in, but it's important that we're praying a hedge of protection and pleading the blood of Jesus over this 50-mile radius. God, you, you've called us to, we're not, we're not supposed to be the change, but we are, we are agents of change that you placed in this region for the sake of those. Because they, they all can't fit in this house. And we don't want them to all fit in this house. We want them to go where God's calling them to be, to plug in, be a part. Because this is what I want to tell you about the next generation. In the race to the heart of a child, the one who gets their first wins. I'm going to say it again so you get it. In the race to the heart of a child, the one who gets their first wins. What is the lens? What are the lenses that our children are receiving it for the first time? What has this got to do? What are you talking about, Pastor? Because a generation that elevates and, and tolerates, or excuse me, tolerates idolatry in any form, the next generation will celebrate it. We understand that. So in any form, we have to walk in holiness, not in rigidity and not being, being someone that is so shut down and closed off. But we walk and we're, we're harmless, as, harmless as, as doves and, and, and wise as serpents. We're aware of what's going on around us. Verse 31 and verse 32. 
as jo- Joash is defending his son. Gideon, it's interesting, I love this. Um, Joash says about his own son, he says, listen, surely a God, referring to Baal, who, who they were worshiping, they can, he can defend himself. So I loved his rebuttal, although that he is still warped in his own sin. And Gideon, by the grace of God, earns a reputation. Remember, he's fearful in a wine press, threshing wheat. But, and and Jesus show, or the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Oh, valiant warrior. But Gideon, by the grace of God, re, uh, receives a, a reputation that is, his name is changed in their eyes as Jeroboam. What does that mean? Bell fighter. He's contending with our God. That's where we're at in our generation right now. It's almost like we're going back to the Mount Carmel and there is, there is tension over the generation. And I'm telling you, and I'm going to echo what we've been hearing about generational revival because we want it to be passed down from one generation to the next. It's supposed to increase. I don't want God to move powerfully in my generation and not move in my children's, right? So we want this thing to grow and go to the next place. And even as it was with Elijah the prophet, he tells him, he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? If Baal be God, then let him be God. If, if God be God, then let him be God. And the God who answered by fire answered. And I think that if we could for a moment begin to press through in a place of prayer and contend and be as it's called Jeroboam, the Baal fighter of our generations, A generation that would rise up and say, you know what? No, I know all of this is happening around us. We're going to be the watchmen that stand watch at the gates of our homes, the gates of our communities. And this is not going to cross over. This is not coming in. It may try to come in, but by the power and the conviction of Holy Spirit, those that bring that mess will be transformed. I believe that your mind has to change. There has to be a supernatural transformation of the mind. It goes back to Romans 12 and 2. We're in an indecisive culture. People struggle to make a decision, which end up making no decision, and it's made for them. Forget a godly decision. There is an indecisiveness in so many people. Listen, make a decision. If Baal be God, be God. Let him be God in your life. But if God be God, then live like he's your God. Don't live in doubt. I get it. We have our moments. Don't stay there. It can be a passing thought. Take thoughts captive. Those things that's not reflecting the image of Jesus, take it captive and command it to leave. Don't allow thoughts to become actions. I know I'm, some of this stuff is spiraling, but I'm just letting you know. This is where we're at. We have to decide, embrace, decide, and allow God to be who he I'm available, God. Whatever you need. Do you need this mind? Use my mind. You need my feet? Use my feet. You need my hand? Use me. What, what, where is it? Whatever I've got in my hand, use it. Use it, God. Verse 33 and, verse, and 34, it says that all three nations, after the fact, all three nations in verse 33, Midianites, the Malachites, and the people of the east assembled together, and they crossed over, and they camped in the valley of Jezreel. Now, I love verse 34. It's one of my favorites. So the spirit of the Lord covered Gideon like clothing, and he blew the trumpet. You know what? This is, we have a phrase for this, and, and I love it. Um, it's called hosting the presence. The presence of the Lord overwhelmed Gideon. In other words, he put him on like a glove, and he used him. You might not have ever heard that before, 
I was reading a book. It's been probably 2011. The name of the book is called Hosting the Presence, and it completely transformed my thoughts on the presence of God. Because not only is the Spirit of God in us for salvation, we all want Him in us because we don't want to go to hell, right? We don't want to do that. But there is an overwhelming power that comes on us at the baptism in the Holy Spirit that where He can rest on me. And, and I love the analogy of the book. It was ha- because a dove is not saying that the Holy Spirit is, is just is some skittish uh, bird that just will fly at the first uh, great noise or, or calamity or anything like that. But the premise is this. How would you walk if a dove was on your shoulder? You would take every step with that dove in mind. I want to walk careful. I want to be cautious. And so when the Holy Spirit, the anointing, comes and rests on your life, you have a Peter that's walking down the street, and all of a sudden, they're lining the streets with the sick beds, and just that his shadow, well, what are we talking about? He's hosting a person. He has the presence on his life. Well, in this moment, we have Gideon, that the Spirit of God clothes him with power, and, and, and he takes up the trumpet and begins to blow the trumpet. And why did, why did it happen in that? Because it was a rally call to the Bezerites to come and follow. So he was rallying the masses to himself, but it was God himself making the call. Let me fast forward and get into chapter 7 because I want to keep tracking this down so I can wrap this up tonight. But... Um, Seven and, uh, chapter 7 and verse 2, it talks about it. It says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to hand Midian over to you. Wait, wait, God. What, you, you said, and we've seen it, there is as innumerable in people as they are with camels, and you're saying that the thousands we have are too many. And I, I know we, we've read the story, so we know how it unfolds, right? But you don't know this story, and many times we're in these situations when it feels like that the whole weight of the world is resting on your shoulders, and it feels like everybody's against you. I'm not talking about the victim mentality that will come every so often. I'm talking about a legitimate fear and a concern that, like, man, I don't, I don't if you, God, if you don't show up, I'm, I'm, I'm messed up. I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a shot, Right? So we know, we know the rest of the story, but you're telling me that all of these people, the, 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 the soldiers I have, there's, there's too many. I don't, I'm not tracking you. But I love what God says to him. He tells him, he says, otherwise Israel would become boastful because we know that God absolutely loathes and hates pride. He can't stand it. Saying my own power, Israel would say my own power has saved me. How many of us, I, I look, I'm just thinking about those moments that if we can do it in our own power, it's not from God. If I can perform it and do it in my own power, then it's not from him. But let me get thrown in the deep end of something, and I have to fully rely and depend upon the Lord, 
God, that'll grow you spiritually. People are like, I don't like that. I don't like that. And you're rebuking the enemy in something maybe right now that I'm not saying that God makes us sick. I don't believe that for one moment. But maybe we're walking through something where God is allowing something to happen so that he can use it to process you. You're rebuking the enemy and God said, that ain't the devil. I mean, he'll probably take credit for it, but it ain't him, right? But we're, God is walking us. He's tempering us. He's taking us through the heat, turning up the heat so that relationships will melt away that you don't need and starting to remove things in your life that have no business being there. Turn, and then God's turning the heat up. Verse 3 says, Proclaim to the hearing of the people, whoever is afraid and worried, return and leave. If you're afraid... Are worried. We need you to go. Just gets on the megaphone and shouts it to all the people. And all of a sudden, guess what? 22,000 people depart. <laughs> 10,000 are remaining. Does it? I mean, okay, I could work with 10,000. Maybe, maybe it's okay. But every time that God lays out a strategic order for your life, I don't care what it is, He gives you the next step to the wall, to the process. It seems like I don't know, just for me, it seems like, how would I word this? i got to be careful how I word it. It seems like that circle shrinks because you can't take those people from last year because everybody's good with you if you never change. But the moment you start progressing in the kingdom of God, it's not, the relationships just don't fit anymore. I'm not talking about your marriage. You married them, you with them. But it's like all of a sudden, it, it, it's, a, it's a round peg in a square hole. It doesn't work anymore. Something's jacked up about it. And I, I use relationships because every time, every time God begins to elevate you in his journey with him, people walk. They do. And that's why I'm saying you've got to learn how to become comfortable in the uncomfortability. Because if you settle, then guess what? What you have is what you'll always have. But God is not a God that allows. He's not stagnant. God is not a static God. He's a dynamic God, which means that he's moving you. So Gideon, you done out of the, you done out of the threshing wheelhouse. We done moved you. You, done, you. you took that first step of obedience that the whole nation wants to kill you now, so now you've got no choice. You, you burned your plan B. Now you're having to walk forward, and that's the way God designs it. But it's not that you're walking by yourself. It's that he's covering He's covering you because he's, ordered, he's already ordered this. Now, now, we love it. Oh, God, order my steps. God, order my steps. God, order my steps. But do you not understand that that is a militant term? I'm ordering you to take the next step. That means he's being very adamant. And it's almost like an, a drill instructor in your face. Take the next step. You can't step back. You're going to fall. Walk forward. He's ordering that next step. We don't like that. We don't. We, we like things easy. Well, let's just ease into this. That's not who God is. Maybe sometimes. Most of the time for us, it's not. We've just been forced to take a step. All right, I'm going to move on. If you're afraid and worried, get out. They leave. Verses 4 through 7, I love. God, again, is shrinking that door, making it smaller. He tells him, he says, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and let's do a test. 
So they come to the water. The Lord describes to Gideon, he says, those that fall on their face and start lapping the water without, without observing what's going on around them, you don't need them. But the ones who are aware and they're cognizant, that's the ones that you want. That's the ones that you want to take a look at. AJ, if you would come. I, I want to tell you, because I think sometimes we live from moment to moment and we allow our schedules to manage us. This is what I think of. Let me say this. We live from moment to moment. We never take risk. Now, what are you talking about on taking risk? When's the last time that you heard the Lord speak to you, and when he spoke to you, it gave you those butterflies in your stomach? I don't know. That may be it, but for me, gave you those butterflies in your stomach that you knew it was him speaking. It was exciting, yet there was this sense of, I'm, I don't know. I'm nervous about this. But God was looking for you to take a risk and step out and just do something. When was the last time that you felt that? I would, li- I would dare to think that, has, does anybody know what I'm talking about? If you know what I'm talking about, raise your hand so I can see. Maybe I'm not the only one by myself. All right, I'm seeing hands go up. When was the last time that you were so dependent upon the voice of God to speak to you for your next move? That you were looking for that great risk. These are the ones that I look at and say, this is the ones, the Lord, that they were, they were aware, they were cognizant, they were uh, fully committed. And I know with the vast numbers, it feels, it feels a lot more safe. But then when God begins to shrink it down, but I'm challenging some of you because you're stuck in status quo. And you say I'm available, but are you really? Are you really? Because those are the ones that are faithful, they're committed, and there's few. I can imagine Gideon saying, whenever he brings it down to 300, Gideon says, God, you want me to fight with an army of 300 men? And God says, no, Gideon, I want you to fight with an army of 300 men and me. You're adding me to the equation. I am the reason why. So that I can receive glory for that. God will take those who are available. He'll process you. He'll promote you. And he'll increase your territory because you've been delivered from the opinions of people. Before I close this, I want to give you just some attributes really quick. Here's what available people are. They're teachable, which means that they're constantly learning. They've never arrived. They're moldable, which means they're pliable. Listen to this. They're able to adapt in any environment. If you don't believe that, look at Gideon. He's adapting from day one uh, in the threshing, in the threshing wheel. At every moment of his life, he's having to adapt. When's the last time that you changed when God said it's time to change? Have you adapted to the calling of God? Are you walking in that? Are you pliable? I said this at Sister Frances' funeral, and it was something she prayed over my wife and I, but, but God make them clay in your hands. 
When's the last time that you allowed yourself to become clay in the hands of God? Because that means you're available. Whatever God wants to do with you, he can. And don't give him as long as it's not that. As long as it's not that. It's whatever you want, God. Faithful. Show up. Day in and day out. I'm not just talking about in the house. I'm talking about in the place of prayer. I'm going to show up. Here I am, God. Speak to me for your servants listening. Speak to me, God, for your servants listening. Committed. Come what may, I'm fully invested. I'm available. I'm available. They're excellent followers who become excellent leaders. The reason why Gideon became the leader that he was is because he followed to the hilt every word the Lord spoke. I didn't deal with his fleecing. You can go read that for yourself. I don't feel like that's something that we do. We do it anyway to God. God, if it's really you, then do this. If it's really you, then do this. And God showed mercy. I believe in grace over him. And he did everything that he asked. But I'm not fleecing God. If God says it, then I'm stepping in. I mean that. I mean that. The proof of obedience is in the fruit. It's the fruit of the life of the believer. If you want to know anybody, I'm going to see any, any person follow their fruit. As Gideon was a faithful and obedient, stayed in a place of, of whatever God asked him to do, he followed. You can go ahead and stand to your feet. It says in verse 16 of chapter 7, he divided the 300 men into three units and put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them with torches inside their pictures. And it says that, it's crazy, why would you put pitchers and, and trumpets and that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. What did God say? Put a pitcher in your hand and put a trumpet in your hand. When I tell you to blow it, you blow it. Right? It says, when they blew the trumpet, 300 trumpets, the Lord set the sword of one against another, even throughout the entire army. And the army fled, and it talks about as far as this region. And they were all thrown into confusion. It doesn't have to make sense to you. Doesn't have to make sense. My question that I go back to at the very beginning is are you available? Come on, close your eyes for just a few moments. Father, I'm asking you right now, come right now over this room. The presence of the Lord begin to settle upon minds, settle upon hearts. Father, I pray that you would dispatch your ministering angels into this room. Minister to individuals. Conviction. I want to give you just a few moments here, just you and the Lord. And maybe it's just saying back to Him again, God, I'm recommitting my life to you. I'm setting my focus on the things of God. I'm I'm not looking to next year. I'm not looking to next week. Tonight, God, I'm recommitting my life to you. I'm picking back up the call 
embracing what you've spoken to me recently, God, or maybe it was years ago, and just telling him, hey, I'm available. I'm available. Whatever you say, whatever you want me to do, I'm in. I'm in. take just a few moments hear the calling of God to you tonight anybody you hear that still small voice calling you once again team come and stand if you would this is how we're going to dismiss tonight Um, and this may be some of y'all as well for the prayer team but I I really feel um, there's a, a beckoning God is looking to rekindle a burning heart that has grown cold um, towards the calling of God. It's not that it's cold towards anything else. It's just towards those, the things of the Lord. And and I, I um, if you could, just drop the lights, if you would, Quentin, just to give this an intimate moment. I'll tell you what I want to do is, for those of you that feel like you need to be dismissed, you can, but I feel like this is for some of you in the room right now. That the Lord is, He's been speaking to you about being available. It's not that you know the calling of God or whatever that is. It's just simply, God, I'm available. I am available. It's just, it's, it's, it's been resonating within your heart. And if that's you tonight, come on, raise your hand. Let me see. Anybody feel that the Lord's been speaking to you specifically tonight about being available? Stepping in and embracing this call. That's what we're going to do just for a moment. Um, if you raise your hand up, I, I want we're going to dismiss, and then I want the rest of you to come to the front. So I want to make this private between you and a prayer team member. Um, this is a this is a new season for you tonight. This is a new season. Um, it's not just answering an altar call that's the change. It's as you step and as you come, it's going to change for you. I'm going to tell you, one of the prayer team is they pray over you uh, for that, that God's going to give you just a boldness, just a boldness and a courage to, to embrace this new season tonight. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, as I'm praying, I'll call you to the front. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Over this house, God, as you're preparing Savannah Campus to grow and go to the next place. And it's starting individually for people that are embracing the calling of God to become available to whatever you're asking. There's already a yes in their heart. So I'm praying tonight for boldness and courage. And that as they step out, something's going to shift tonight. As they embrace this new season, it's transformation. I'm telling you, it's transformation transformation the name of Jesus I pray thanks so much for joining us today 
We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.